Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of the Information Security Media Group and GovInfoSecurity.com. I'm speaking with Dr. Myra Gray, Director of the Defense Department's Biometrics Task Force. Welcome, Dr. Gray. Uh, thank you. Please take a few moments to tell us about yourself and the Biometrics Task Force. I'm the Director of the Biometrics Task Force as well as the Executive Manager for Defense Biometrics. And what we do is enable the, the various missions within the Department of Defense with the biometrics capabilities. And biometrics is not something that is judging whether one is good or bad. It is used for identification verification, to say a, either a person is who they are or to identify the person. The biometrics task force not only operates the database in which the DOD data is housed, we also work the policy issues, S&T issues, and any other strategic issues in the interagency or international arena that, that DOD has interest in. Can you give an example when you say is policy, what you mean by policy? Well, policies would be such as the data that we would share, who we would share it with, how we would store the data, the types of data we would hold, at which times we would check the data or not check the data. It could be where we would field the systems. It could just be any number of policies that would govern the use and the enablement with biometrics. When did the task force get started? The task force was actually started in public law in the year 2000, and it's primarily started to focus on information assurance. But since that time, with 9-11 and with uh, operations that we have uh, ongoing overseas, the focus has changed from looking at more of a blue force with logical and physical access to looking at adversaries and the forensics aspect. How are state-of-the-art biometric technologies being applied on the battlefield and combating cyber terrorism? The state-of-the-art of biometrics, of course, is moving forward in, in several areas. We really do, in S&T, have four primary mission areas that we're looking at for enhancing the state of the art. The first one has to do with intelligence, and this is the required capability that's needed to perform that intelligence mission, which also includes increased standoff. The second one, of course, has to do with access, both logical and physical. And this ha you have to address within this the high throughput and its usability. The third, of course, is forensics. That required capability that, that we're looking to enhance deals with latent collection and latent matching. That's where we need to really push the state of the art. The fourth area, of course, is architecture. The required capability includes that data fusion and interoperability because it's the interoperability of the data, the availability across the board of the data that makes it so powerful. Currently, we have biometric modalities stored and matched in ABIS. That's the Automated Biometric Identification System. It includes the fingerprint. It includes palm print. It includes iris. It includes face. We are looking at other emerging modalities that are being researched, and that includes DNA. It includes voice. It would include, say, handwriting or gait could be some of the others. Do you have your own researchers, or how do you collaborate with other researchers in dealing with these new technologies? What we do is leverage both government and industry researchers supporting projects across the board to help advance the technology. So, so we don't do this work in a lab that I own. I leverage the nation's asset, both government and commercial, in order to advance this for everyone's benefit. 
What are some of the specific biometric tools and applications being deployed on the battlefield and for combating cyber terrorism? First of all, there's the biometric automated tool set, and it has a, the capability not only of, of storing and matching, but collecting. So, you would, so someone on the ground could use this for taking a collection, for doing a match, for storing, and also for forwarding back into the authoritative database. The HIDE, that's H-I-I-D-E, the HIDE system is a smaller system, a handheld top system, and it's more used for the matching and identification verification purpose, although it can be used for collection as well. So this could be used in, in intel missions, it could be used based access missions, it could be used for any law enforcement missions that, that may be done in that arena. So in other words, we have troops on the ground in Afghanistan or Iraq who have devices that they use to identify friends, foes? This is correct. What it does is help separate from the populace that we are there to support and the nefarious actors that are in their midst. So what we can do is by knowing who the friends are and who the foes are, we can pull the foes out. And I mentioned forensics earlier. This is done through matching to IED evidence or matching to a record. Someone that we know has been involved in bad acting activities before. Can you give one example or two of, of how someone would use these battlefield conditions? What they would do with these sets, both the bat and the hide, it does iris, it does face, which is like a photograph, but facial recognition, and it does fingerprint. By collecting that information, a person's fingerprints, an iris scan, and a photo of their face, we can then later, if we encounter this person, be able to identify them. Let's say you have an installation or an area that you know who should be there. There's the local population that lives in these houses and that go about their daily lives. When they cross through a checkpoint, you know they belong, and you can say, come on through because you have positively identified that they belong there. This is the power that it brings, is that positive identification. Using those modalities that I've mentioned, it is used, of course, then to filter out those who are known to be terrorists, who are known to have done various acts. This is then how we can pull those out by also identifying them. What synergies exist between biometrics technologies used for military combat purposes and those for business applications that are used throughout government? There's a great synergy between the technologies and the methodologies used by the Department of Defense and the military applications and the business applications in that the technology is the same. Each human being has irises and has fingerprints and has DNA. Let's say that you're using a fingerprint to log on to a computer for logical access somewhere. You're putting a fingerprint on a check to cache it somewhere. The same technology used in those business applications are that technology that's used in the military applications. It's a ubiquitous capability that does in no way identify goodness or not goodness of an individual. It is purely identification. What technology you would use to log on to an AT and get cash could very well be the same one that's used at that checkpoint I mentioned earlier of letting in the right people to a neighborhood and keeping out those who don't belong. And as far as the, the S&T itself that is building and supporting this capability, the research that's done for military applications can very well benefit the business world and vice versa. Is there an example of an application developed for the military that can be used in the business world? 
some of the technology already is. Any of the scanners that you may have, let's say a fingerprint scanner, an iris reader, the same technology that's used in an iris reader in the BAT system or the HIDE system that's fielded is the very same technology that may be on an iris scanner that lets you through a door at your place of business. It could be the same technology that reads a fingerprint and lets you cash a check. It's the same technology that's used in theater. The technology is ubiquitous. It's just the application. It is the application of the technology getting into an office space. You probably don't need something that is rain-resistant, dust-resistant, weather-resistant of any nature. You, you wouldn't need that. Ruggedized, maybe it needs to be ruggedized. Maybe it doesn't need to be ruggedized. It's just the packaging, the application. The second thing is building the infrastructure. What do you need to check that data against? Do you need to check it against the set of people who are authorized to be in the space, or do you need to check it against a larger population? You hit it perfectly in that it is the applications, the functions that it's used in, the mission sets that makes the difference. The technology for the biometric is the same because we all have the biometrics. Each human being has biometrics. It is the utilization of that as an identification tool in the various mission threads that makes the difference. Are biometrics a way we can access computer systems without employing usernames and passwords? Actually, it's an outstanding method for good, strong identity assurance. But before we go throwing out passwords and usernames, what I'd like to do is articulate that biometrics is one tool of many. It should be part of the portfolio that's used to protect against identity theft. There are three basic things that you do with your identity to prove that, that you are who you are. Number one is, it is what you know. That's a password or a login key. The second one is what you have, a passcode or a card, a magnetic card that lets you through something, but it's some token that you have in your hand, a piece of material that will let you into something. The third is what you are, and that gets to the biometrics, which is your iris scans, your fingerprints, something that is uniquely you. So the power is not just in picking one over another, but in setting up a construct that utilizes all of those as appropriate. You probably don't need all three of those to buy coffee at the 7-Eleven. But if you were going to get into a super secure facility somewhere, you may very well want to instantiate a methodology for getting into that facility that utilizes all three of those methods, what you are, what you have, and what you know. I was listening to a congressional hearing the other day. One witness said a problem with passwords and usernames is that they identify individuals in easily recognizable ways, something biometrics don't. One witness suggested that by foregoing passwords and usernames, identity theft would be limited. Do you agree? It is certainly a much better way to uniquely identify someone than a password, because the password you can write on a piece of paper and someone else can type it in. Let's say one of those magnetic cards, it's not authorizing the human being that's coming in. It's saying, yes, this card is allowed to pass. The biometrics itself is a lot stronger in identifying the person, but is it a perfect system? 
Not at this point. We still have a way to go with the technology. So before we throw everything else out, I would caution that we strengthen our systems by using biometrics. That will make it a lot stronger. Identity theft is a grave problem, and it's one that can be very well addressed by adding biometrics to the portfolio of tools that's used to fight identity theft. But it should not just be relied on alone. It has to be something that's part of that portfolio. And it includes other things as well, such as good computer security, good IA techniques, firewalls, other methods for keeping people from having access. And when we talk about access for identity theft, maybe it isn't just logical access. It could also be physical access. Using biometrics is not going to be the nirvana that eliminates all other methods. It's a very, very powerful tool to add to the portfolio. How has the cost of biometrics technology changed over the years? It's going down, and it's getting better. Now, it's not super cheap because we're not there yet. It's not as ubiquitous yet as an ink pen. But you recall the progression of PCs, very expensive, not very powerful, and now they're almost disposable. I would see as this technology promulgate across the landscape worldwide, as more people get involved in becoming suppliers, as it becomes a commodity, whether it's a scanner for an eye or a fingerprint reader for a computer, whatever it may be, it will become very accessible, inexpensive, and easy to use. Thank you, Dr. Gray. I've been speaking with Dr. Myra Gray, Director of the Defense Department's Biometrics Task Force for the Information Security Media Group and GovInfoSecurity.com. I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.